Each choice we make moves us toward fear or love. On my Life and Laughter podcast, we'll talk about those choices and learn how to attract more love and connection and laughter. This is Perry Kinder. Let's get started. Hey, listeners, this is a really special episode for me. This is our 10th podcast for the Life and Laughter podcast, and I am over the top excited to have gotten to 10 episodes. I've heard if you get to 10, it's like a slam dunk. You're going to be just super, you know, top ranked, but I don't think that's true. But I'm still at number 10. And today I thought to celebrate the 10th episode, I would do a solo album release here. I'm going to do a solo episode, just my thoughts, just some ideas that have been running through my brain that I think we can all relate to, especially as we try to navigate whatever's happening. It's all with politics and COVID and disconnection. It's all just been a little bit crazy. So these are some of the things that I wanted to talk about. First of all, the main focus for this podcast is how our thoughts create our world, how our thoughts become things, how our thoughts decide what we see, how our thoughts decide our interactions, Whether we know it or not, even on a subconscious level, we are always creating our world through our thoughts. And I'm not the first to say that, of course. Um, Abraham Hicks, she's a they they are spiritual leaders that have talked about, you know, that your thoughts create your world. They've been saying it for decades. And how if you're disconnected from yourself, then you're not aligned with source and you're gonna feel crappy. And when you're disconnected from yourself, you have these thoughts that don't coordinate with what you're really experiencing. So I'm going to share two instances of this, of where my thoughts created my world. And we'll see (laughs) how that works. So in April, my husband and I were both, both vaccinated and we were super excited to fly to Phoenix to see his daughter. She lives there with her, her daughter, our granddaughter, and we're going to go there for her birthday. And we were super excited to finally travel again. It had been months and, I woke up that morning and I was in the crappiest mood. I was just in a bad mood. And I always get in a bad mood before we travel. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the packing or the organizing or just the leaving and making sure everything's covered, but I'm usually in a bad mood when we when we travel. This time it seemed a little bit more than usual. And my husband was a little bit concerned because he wanted us to have a good time for the weekend for the first time traveling in forever. And so I'm throwing my clothes in my suitcase and I'm complaining about the new airport in Salt Lake. I guess I've, I'd heard it had just been remodeled and it was terrible and the lines were long and the distances to the gates were long. So I wasn't expecting anything good. And I complained all the way to the airport. And Tom just kind of put his head down and drove straight and just ignored me and hoped I'd shut up at some point. But I didn't because I was already in a bad mood. And when you have these thoughts of negativity, it's funny, the momentum that you get will keep it rolling. And as the momentum gathers, you attract more negative thoughts. So of course I did. I got to the airport and immediately found all the rude people in the building. The TSA agent I had was dead inside. They were not friendly and the lines were long. I had to take off my shoes and my belt and pretty much undress at TSA. I got wanded, which is always super fun. And I thought, what else could go wrong? And when you ask that, the universe will answer that. So we're walking to the gate and it took forever. And I was whining. We hadn't had time to eat anything. We were going to be on a long flight. We're going to be sitting in masks on the airplane. And we got to the gate and we had a rush onto the plane 
and travel isn't fun anymore. It used to be traveling, you'd get up and you'd go to the airport and you'd sit at the gate for a while, you'd read a magazine, you'd have a muffin. And now you get to the airport, you get on the plane, you get off the plane, you get your baggage. And it's just a process of, I don't know, futility sometimes, but we're there. And so I'm getting on the plane and we had we were on Southwest, and so we had gotten there a little bit late, so we were in the very last row of the plane, and I sit down. I'm on an aisle seat, and the seat between me and the window was open, and I thought, oh, maybe something good is going to happen here. But because my momentum of negative thinking was already in process, this guy came in. He was probably in his mid, mid-20s, a young kid. He sat down and immediately spread his knees as wide as he could, taking up half the space from the seat next to, next to him and my seat. So he's man spreading himself all over our laps for the entire time. And instead of me saying, just saying to him like, hey, do you mind closing your knees so I have some space? I just sat there and I just was livid. There was probably anger. If it was a cartoon, there'd be fire, you know, rolling off my head, just anger. And so instead of being a human being and ask him to sit nicely, I just fumed and gathered more momentum as we flew into Arizona. And so by this time, my negative thinking was over the top crazy. I was attracting everything I could. I was noticing everything that was going wrong. Tom wasn't even talking to me at this point. He's like, I'm not going to jump into that. That's just nasty. So we get to the airport and we went to find our rental car. And if you've been to the Phoenix airport, you get on a shuttle, they take you to the rental car place. And we got there and we saw some arrows to our rental car company. Now go this way to go to this rental car company. And so we followed the arrows. We followed the arrows out of the shuttle area, through the parking lot, down some stairs, down an elevator, down the street to a bus stop. And then that was where the arrows ended. And I thought, this is ridiculous. What are, what are we going to do now? <laughs> are they, they going to bring a bus to pick us up? And there were some people there who looked as confused as we were. So I asked them, are you waiting for this crappy car rental place? And they said, we are. We've been here for half an hour. And so I tried calling the car rental place and, of course, got recordings, didn't get anybody to answer. And so a taxi pulled up and said, hey, I can take you 20 bucks. I'll take you to there. And they, great. We gave him 20 bucks. He took us maybe a block to this car rental place where there was another long line and I just sat with the luggage and almost cried. I was at the point where I had been thinking such negative thoughts for so long and I was done. There are no words to how, how angry I was at this point, how ready I was to ruin our entire weekend. And I sat there and thought the momentum is such that if I don't turn this bus around, I'm going to destroy the time with my stepdaughter, the time with my granddaughter, it's going to be ruined. And so I made a choice then, right there in that crappy car rental on that folded chair surrounded by my luggage, that I was going to look for something going right, anything going right. The plane hadn't crashed. That's where I started. We hadn't burned up in a fiery ball of explosion on the runway. It was Arizona. It was beautiful. We had a whole weekend in Arizona to play. We were staying at a really cool resort. It was gorgeous. There was a margarita in my immediate future at some point. And once I started looking for the good, it was like my whole body softened. 
my whole body just relaxed. And I started thinking, you're doing this to yourself. Knock it off. And Tom came back after, I don't know how long he was waiting for the rental car. He had the keys. We got in this really tiny, cramped rental car. And it didn't even bother me that it was tiny and cramped. It was a car. We were heading to our hotel. And I smiled at him. And I remember the relief on his face when I smiled. And he realized I wasn't going to be a horrible, horrible witch all weekend long. And it, it took a very diligent, conscious effort to turn that momentum, to change the way I was thinking. Because I was so set on finding the things that were wrong, finding the things that were going to make this miserable, finding the things that were going to make me feel crappy and embrace those. And it's so funny because when we get in that frame, it's almost like these negative thoughts are comfort food. We just settle into it. We embrace it. We roll around in it. And it's doing us no good. We have to recreate the grooves in our brain until we can become functional humans again and look at the bright side. And looking at the bright side doesn't mean putting a happy face on it, putting a false positive on it. It means finding one thing that's good, that's true, that you can start there. And so that's my first, my first example of how my thoughts turned a weekend around that was going to be headed to disaster if I didn't. And my second second situation has been a lot longer in the making, a lot longer process. And I don't talk about it very often because there's still a lot of shame and a lot of stories in my own head around it that I'm still trying to work through. But it's working through those stories that's helping me let go of these thoughts. And so seven years ago, my body completely fell apart. We're talking, if it could go wrong, it went wrong. After having um, a consistent weight for 25 years. I started to gain weight for what I thought was no reason. I was having extreme fatigue. I had blood clots. Um, I, I couldn't function. I couldn't think. And it was just the most frustrating feeling I'd ever had in my life. And I went to my doctor and they did some tests and they said, well, we can't find anything wrong with you. You're probably just getting old. And I'm thinking, damn, I'm, I'm not that old yet. I shouldn't be at the point where it's a steady roll down the hill to death because this is just going to suck if that's at this point already. And so she said, when, with the weight gain, you know, just exercise more, eat less, and come back in six months and we'll see how you're doing. And so that's what I did. I exercised because I'd been exercising maybe five days a week. I went to seven days a week, exercising an hour a day, seven days a week, cut back on my calories. And by the time I went back, I even tried diet pills, which I had never done, which was horrible. I don't suggest it, not recommending. And I was tired all the time. I was grumpy all the time. I felt horrible. And I went back to my doctor after six months and she said, yeah, your, your tests are all normal. I, we don't know what's wrong. They checked me for thyroid issues. They th checked me for um, all kinds of different glandular things that could be going wrong. And they said, we just don't know, you know, come back in six months. And at this point, I was having severe pain in my stomach. I was having all kinds of abdominal cramping. I went to the emergency room one night because I couldn't even walk. I was crying. It hurt so bad. And they took some x-rays. They did some blood work. And they said, oh, we can't find anything. We don't know what's going on. Talk to your doctor. And for two years, two and a half years, that was the story. It would get worse and worse and worse. And I'd feel terrible. And I would go to my doctor. And they don't know what to do. And she said, Maybe you just need to accept that this is the way it's going to be. And I was devastated, 
devastated because I had always been very healthy, very fitness oriented. And to have her tell me, this is the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. You're going to feel like crap. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to not function. You're going to have brain fog forever. And I thought, this is ridiculous. And so these were the thoughts that were going through my head. My body is turned against me. Every day is a battle. I'm never going to lose this weight. I'm never going to feel healthy again. People are judging me. I'm so ashamed. And those are the stories that were going through my head. And after a couple of years, I'd gained probably 15 pounds. And I was so frustrated because I'd never had a time when I hadn't been able to lose weight. I'd always, you know, exercise a little bit harder or ate a little bit less. And it, it was, had never been a problem. And so after almost three years, I found a different doctor, which is too long to have gone without finding a different doctor. And they diagnosed me with an autoimmune disease. And I started crying in their office because I finally had an answer to something. I thought I was crazy. I thought I was just in some kind of slow decline. I thought, no wonder people hate getting old. If this is the way it feels to get old, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. This is not going to happen for me. But this doctor took the time to explain to me what was happening in my body, why my body was reacting this way, and some steps we could take to turn it around. He said, you're always going to have this autoimmune disease, but you don't have to have the response that you're having. And he said, the first thing you need to do is start treating yourself well. He said, you need to stop working out seven days a week. It's not helping. Don't do it. He said, you exercise when you feel like exercising. And to me, that was such a foreign concept to exercise when I wanted to. I didn't even know that was legal. I thought you had to, you know, some kind of rule that you had to exercise, you know, an hour a day. That's just what you do to keep to keep alive. And then he's telling me I don't have to do that anymore. And, and that was a thought in my head. I had to wrap myself around that if I don't exercise, first, I'm going to probably gain more weight. People are going to think I'm lazy. All these shame stories around that. And then he said, you need to just, when you do exercise, you need to be very careful with your body. You know, walk, do more yoga, do more meditation. And I'm thinking, this guy is a quack. He is incredibly insane. And I'm sorry because he's my doctor and he finally gave me an answer. But I'm going to have to find somebody new because he's not giving me the right answers. But I still wasn't losing the weight. I was still having all these negative stories in my head. And that went on for an additional five years. So it's been seven years now of me dealing with this autoimmune disease, trying to figure out how to make my body function in a way that I feel comfortable, that I feel like I'm healthy, like I feel like I'm active. And it took me until last year to really understand what it meant to have your thoughts create your world, to have your thoughts create your life. And all the stories I've been telling myself, you know, my body has betrayed me. I'm going to keep gaining weight until I die. I'm never going to feel healthy again. I'm going to be so ashamed to be around people. And that's going to continue for the next 40 years. And that was the story I'd been telling myself. And I had to stop that story. And I had to stop with something that was small. Because you can't, again, you can't change momentum from being all good to all bad. Or from all bad to all good. It's a small incremental thought that you have to have first. And my first thought in changing the way I thought about myself was my body allows me to practice yoga. And then I thought my body allows me to interact with my grandchildren. 
and I stayed there. Those were my two positive thoughts. I can teach yoga. I can play with my grandkids. And every time that negative story came up, you know, my body has betrayed me. It's like, nope, my body got me here today. My body got me to the grocery store. My body got me to yoga class. My body got me to my granddaughter's school performance. And then after that, I, I could start instituting thoughts that were true that made me feel better. And like I mentioned, it is a hard thing to turn that momentum around. When you've been telling yourself for so long that you are worthless, that you have no value, that no one's going to respect you, that everybody's judging you, to stop believing that takes a massive, massive mental effort. But the more I did it, the more I started saying things like, my body um, has great earlobes, or that the universe is very generous to me. I have a home to live in. I have food to eat. I have a soft bed. I have a supportive husband. I love how my body feels when I'm swimming or when I'm walking my dog. And the more I started telling these stories to myself that were true, the true stories, my world began to change. The needle on the scale began to drop, not dramatically. It's been a year and I've lost maybe 10 pounds, but in the past seven years, that's the most weight I've ever lost. I'm, I'm not exercising seven days a week. I'm exercising, I exercise in the morning for a few minutes doing yoga and I walk my dog a couple of times a day. But I'm not hitting the gym for an hour. I'm not weight, lifting weights for an hour. I'm not doing cardio for an hour. I'm doing what feels good and I'm nourishing my body with foods that feel good. I'm sleep, I'm trying to sleep. I'm working through the insomnia part of this still. And my body is responding. I feel happier. I feel more in tune with my body, more in tune with my family. And I'm not feeling the heavy judgment that was totally self-imposed, I'm sure. But it's such an example of how these thoughts that we have really create our world. Would I have gotten that far down the rabbit hole if I'd been thinking more positive thoughts about my body, about my reaction to this autoimmune disease? I don't know. But I do know what's, what's helping, and what's helping is thinking of the things that I'm grateful for in my body, whether it's um, a new pair of sweats, whether it's having my hair washed, whether it's getting a massage, whether it's getting a pedicure. I find that the thoughts, I think, that are general and true help me get through this. Um, I love all the senses of my body. I love being alive. I love smelling the fall smells. I love being outside. I love breathing in the now non-smoky air. I love interacting with people. I love laughing. I love talking to people. I can love my neighbor. I can love my family. And you say those things over and over again, and pretty soon those thoughts become the dominant story in your head. And you find that the negative thoughts have taken a back seat. And when you realize that, it's like, oh, this is this works. And it works for everything. You look at how divided our country right now, and you think of the things that we're saying, how you know, there's such bad people, there's such a, such a bad politician, there's such a bad leader. You know, our neighbors are crazy. Our neighbors have done this. People don't want to do this. And, and we've just labeled each other. We've disconnected from each other. But what if we started saying things like, I love my neighbor, even though I don't understand him. I don't understand the Trump flag on his yard, but I can love him because he's a human being and he deserves to be loved. What if we said things like, there is so much compassion in this world because it's true? What if we said things like, most people are inherently kind 
because it's true. Love is the opposite of disconnection. And it's not about putting a happy face on things, about being fake, about being optimistic. It's about truly guiding your thoughts to joy. And it's a practice. And it's an everyday practice. And it's an everyday choice. And the more you do it, the better you get and the better your life gets. And that's my rambling for my 10th episode of my podcast. If you stuck around this long, you get a prize. Go buy yourself something nice. Have a great day. Please support my podcast going to Anchor to donate or to buying my Life and Laughter book. $12. It's only 12 bucks. Ben Momi at Perry Hyphen Kinder. Have a beautiful day. Do you want more Life and Laughter? Check out my blog at lnlcoaching.com and find me on Instagram and Facebook at Life and Laughter Coaching. See you again soon. Bye.